Good morning and welcome to the Bulwark Podcast. I'm Charlie Sykes. This is almost certainly a bad precedent. <laughs> Amanda, we're actually doing this on video as well. Do you know what that means? I mean, obviously, for me, it means I had to shave. You probably, I don't know. Yeah, for me, it means this I can't be in my pajamas looking at a computer for notes, reading. I had to put on makeup. So yay video. So people check this out. This is the first, I'm not committing to anything right now that we're going to be doing this after the first of the year, but I think it was inevitable that we were going to try doing a video version of the Bulwark podcast since you and I both do TV. Of course, if people actually saw the way I usually do the podcast, I don't think they'd want to see it. It's a different thing. I mean, I have these notes and this big headphone on and everything. So, hey, okay. So we have a lot to talk about. You've had a hell of a week, Amanda. And it's only Wednesday. Is it right. Wednesday? I, mean, I have that thing going on that you had going on last week where I just don't even know. Like, just tell me when it's Christmas, please. It, it, it is coming up, but you're going to have to handle that on your own. So um, the marvelous Mrs. Cheney, just, I mean, you know, her performance on the House floor last night. I mean, this is, I wrote in my newsletter this morning, and I'm willing to wallow on this one. If you cannot appreciate and admire Liz Cheney, then you don't understand what political courage is. You you you've lost the ability. There's something wrong with you. Yeah, I do. I I think so. Um, and you know this whole line that well, she's just doing the bare minimum of her job. I'm sorry, but bullshit. No. You can denigrate all sorts of heroes by saying, well, though that soldier, he was just doing his duty, or that firefighter, that's what he gets paid to do. No, there are people who really do step up in crucial moments. And we're watching something that's extremely unusual. Yeah, it's really amazing. I mean, she is really doing, she's not only serving on the committee, she's doing the heavy lifting on that committee. I'm not yes. saying other people aren't doing anything, but when you watch these contempt hearings and the role that she plays in explaining what happened, I mean, she's reading the text from the Fox News yeah. host. She is the one taking it to them. She is the one making a point that they are looking at a possible violation of criminal law in looking at who played a role in obstructing the official proceedings, the counting of electoral votes. I mean, I, I cannot say this enough. When she speaks, pay attention to every word. It is deliberate, it is considered, and it is powerful. It is powerful. I mean, there's three things that 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 we've learned this week that I all, and I think they're all important. Now, whether it's actually going to make a difference, I don't know. But number one, oh, you know um, that question drives me bananas. I, I know, I know, I get it all the time. So the whirlwind of crazy <laughs> is is right there in the White House. Uh, the whole Watergate question: What did they know, and when did they know it? I mean, you have Mark Meadows right in the center. You have all the crazy right there. That's number one. Number can I, two, can I just say this is worse. It's not what did yeah. they know and when did they know it. No. When did they plan it? It's not like this just happened. No. Who and, planned it and who wanted it to happen? Yes. And what did they do while it was happening? So that's number one. And number two, we are finding that this committee is, is in fact, more consequential than some of us cynics thought that it would be. They are coming up with new stuff, which is remarkable given the amount of journalism and reporting that's gone into this, the fact that we are still learning stuff. And number three, there's a lot more to come because you can tell they're about to roll a lot of this stuff out. They have a lot of cooperation. So, and again, I I, I hate that question. Is it going to make a difference? You know, not with the MAGA heads, but you do get the sense that something has shifted here. I mean, let's talk about Liz Cheney. Liz Cheney seems to be hinting at the possibility of criminal charges that might involve Donald Trump. 
as opposed to yeah. just focusing on the deplorables who invaded the Capitol. What do you think? This is a big deal. And I think the timing of this isn't an accident. Like the committee is giving Jeffrey Clark the chance to come. They have given Mark Meadows the chance to come and talk many, many times. And they're sitting on a bunch of information. I mean, I, I think they are going to look really, really bad because hundreds of people have cooperated with the committee. And like, okay, why are they getting all this information that journalists couldn't? It's because... It's a congressional investigation. They have Subpoenas. subpoena power. Yeah. yeah. You have a few people like Jeffrey Clark and Mark Meadows who think that they can duck and evade it. But there's a lot of people that want to talk. There are people there in the Trump White House who were horrified by what happened that That's are right. not going to yeah. defy a congressional subpoena. And if they have a chance to say- It would like, have been nice if they'd come out earlier. Absolutely. Yeah. I have nothing but like contempt for the people who didn't do anything, but- if this is what it takes, like, great. Um, some people have to be asked and given cover in right. order to tell what happened. And yeah. it's probably going to be people we haven't heard of. And maybe other people we have heard of, like generals who disagreed with what happened. And so they have this body of work. They have all these people telling a certain story. And then Mark Meadows over here, who maybe wrote a book thinking that he could tell his version of events and that would be okay. Thinking that, well, I'm just going to disclose these texts and that'll be okay. I don't think so. I think they have a lot of other people corroborating a different story. I mean, let's cut through a lot of this. I mean, one of the things about Mark Meadows is not only is he sort of a you know, know. long-term suck up, but he but he's he's really dumb as fuck. I mean, really, the guy oh is God, just, I'm gonna write this book and Donald Trump is going to love me and like, oh my God, what am I gonna do? I'm gonna turn over nine thousand pages of documents and then I'm gonna assert executive privilege. I mean, this guy is not gonna be the chief of staff at Mensa. No, I cannot get the quote out of my head where he talks about why he took on this role. And his quote was, I was cornered by God. I was cornered by God. Like, number one, Trump isn't God. But like, yeah, God doesn't corner you into doing bad things. Uh, it's just it's a strange of all the rationalizations that I have heard. That's bad. That is the strangest one. And it, like, that's what he tells himself to go to sleep at night. God wow. cornered me into doing this. Wonderful. Okay, so we, we have a couple of sound bites here. Let's play Liz Cheney, who has just been on an incredible role this week reading the text messages, and then calling out her colleagues on the floor of the House of Representatives. This is Liz Cheney from last night. The committee scheduled a deposition after extensive coordination with Mr. Meadows at a day that he chose, that he selected, and then he refused to show up. And he refused to show up to testify about non-privileged questions. So my colleague from Ohio can talk uh, as much Jim as Jordan. he'd like about executive privilege and about George Washington and about the extent to which it's, it's crucial for the survival of the republic, with which I agree. But we are talking here about testimony about non-privileged materials. Secondly, Madam Speaker, I would say that we all on this side of the aisle used to be uh, in agreement about what had happened on January 6th. There was a brief period of time, days perhaps, when we were in agreement. Standing perhaps at this microphone, the minority leader, Kevin McCarthy, said this on January 13th. The president bears responsibility for Wednesday's attack on Congress by mob rioters. He should have immediately denounced the mob when he saw what was unfolding. These facts require immediate action by President Trump. Unfortunately, Mr. McCarthy's position changed on this issue. 
Ms. McCarthy then worked against, voted against the resolution that would have created a bipartisan commission to investigate these matters, and he withdrew his nominees to this committee. Yep. Good for her, calling out that record. Um, and, and you know, it is remarkable, even though we've heard it so many times, to realize that there was that moment when Kevin McCarthy had the spasm of clarity, that he actually understood what happened until he adjusted his story. Yeah, changed his story. Yes. Changed his story. We can't yeah. call people liars on the House floor. So that yeah. was a nice yeah. term of art there. Change your story. Okay, so speaking of changing the story, because I still can't yeah. get over, you know, what we, the whole Fox News saga. And look, uh, I agree with our colleague Sarah Longwell that they will weather this because nobody expects anything more. But what an embarrassment, what Laura Ingram was saying in real time versus what then she said to her audience. And interestingly enough, Amanda Carpenter, and I want to talk about this, you were on The View. You were not in the Meghan McCain chair, though, were you? No, that's the chair. That's the conservative chair. You were in the Meg you on the you, end. You were on the Meghan McCain seat in the view. Yeah, that's there's a Republican seat. Yeah. And so that's they're having people come through and sit there and see what it's like. Okay, so you discussed this yesterday mm -hmm. on the view. And here is your take. We will share this with the listeners <laughs> of this podcast and the viewers of this podcast. This is Amanda Carpenter yesterday. The well, most despicable thing that Fox News did, a lot of hosts, was somehow blame law enforcement on this. On that night of January 6th, Sean Hannity went there and said, how were officials not prepared? How did they allow the Capitol to be breached in what seemed like a few minutes? We know why. Donald Trump did nothing. Sean Hannity knows why. Those Fox News hosts know why, because yeah. Donald Trump did nothing to yeah. stop it. The National Guard was ready to go. The most important question that I hope everyone keeps in their mind when it comes to January 6th is why did it take more than three hours for the Capitol to be secure? something that Donald Trump let happen. And all the reporting around it shows that he loved what happened on January 6th. And because of what these people at Fox News are doing, it makes it much more likely it will happen again, much worse. And I sh dare Sean Hannity to answer me tonight because I know I'm right. And, that and I know from, he that was right that night. That is from a Republican, by the way. Yeah. That is a Republican. Yeah. That, that's a Republican. Okay, so Amanda. Uh, they did address it last <laughs> night. I, wa I wanted to get your take on this because the yeah. uh, all the Fox heads are coming out and, you know, we're bored by this. So this is an invasion of privacy or what's the latest spin that this is proof that, in fact, we were the good guys, that we were you know opposed to all of this. Nothing to see here. So give me your sense of of the latest Fox spin, because it took them about 24 hours to come up with a story. Right. They had to come up with a story in which they don't come off as complete hypocritical shills and propagandists. Well, they still do, but so what do you think of last night's spin? Well, it's definitely spin, but here, here's the thing. They have never answered for what I think is the worst thing Fox News has done in terms of crafting the storylines. And it started that night, and a lot of Republicans take it, about why did law enforcement let this happen? Yeah. Like, this has always been the the quick little pivot yeah. that they were going to take. Even Mitch McConnell, okay, when yeah. they decided to do investigations, well, let's look at the security breaches as if this was, like, a bad planning decision and 
Capitol Police wasn't ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you even had Laura Ingraham go out after, like, I forget what, what nut job on the internet was calling them crisis actors. Yes. And she gave Michael Fanone, it makes me so mad. Yeah, mocked this cop. A mocked trophy for his acting job. Right? And then they all made fun of the tears that these Capitol Police officers yeah. were shedding no during their bottom. testimony. No bottom. And people. that is what Sean Hannity yeah. has not answered for. That is what they must answer for. Why did yeah. they blame yeah. the blue? We back the blue. Why did they blame the blue when they were texting Donald Trump to stop it? And they know he had the power to stop it. He didn't stop it. And then they covered up for him. This isn't a conspiracy. This is a cover-up by Fox News of epic proportions that somehow this sure. was a law enforcement failure. This was a tourist visit, blah, 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 blah. We can go through all the lies, but to me, that is the most despicable lie because they know Donald Trump let it happen and they yeah. covered up for him. And those right. texts show what lying, lying liars they are. And not breaking news there, but ultimately this story is not about Fox News. It's about Donald Trump. And you had a piece the other night that I thought really made this point that, I mean, you know, really what it comes down to is, you know, what did Donald Trump know? When did he know it? What did he do? Why did he not act? We now know that people in his universe understood exactly how horrible it was before they adjusted their, their stories. They were pleading with him do something and he did nothing. Now, Maybe Sean Hannity and Tucker Carlson can claim that this is exculpatory for them, but it's really damning for what was going on in the White House, that they were being warned, they had the information, they knew what was going on, there was no doubt. The White House did not think it was a peaceful protest, they had all these voices, and Donald Trump did nothing. And I thought it was rather extraordinary that Donald Trump Jr. had to uh, text message Mark Meadows instead of his dad because daddy was too busy watching TV. Daddy was watching his favorite TV show. And I'm sorry, Jr., you can't get through to him, you know, as long as, you know, the insurrection show is on. This has been another big thing that I can't get out of my mind about the whole series of events. Donald Trump knows how to put down a protest. Sure. He, he knows how to put it down. But we saw it. We saw it in June at Lafayette Square. He brought in everybody to shut down those protesters. And it wasn't so he could go give a speech in front of the church. He shut them down because he wanted to dominate the battle space. Yeah. Right? Like, like right before that, he was on a call with the governor saying, you need to shut this down. And he decided, you know what? Now I'm going to show you how you do this. Yeah. I'm going to give a press conference. You're going to hear the tear gas go out. And then I'm going to take a, and then I'm going to take a victory lap. Yeah, That's what that walk to the church was about. It's all my guys. And so you contrast that with what happened on January 6th. And there was also a text that came out in the Mark Meadows stuff yeah. that there was the idea that the National Guard would protect, protect the peaceful protesters. Isn't that interesting? What does, no, but what, what, what does protect mean? Yeah. Protect means you definitely will not engage with them. It means you definitely will not stop them from what they wanted to do. That is the protection that the White House provided the protesters. The protection was keeping the National Guard back on standby for three damn hours. So 
I want to know what your sense is that what comes next? What are the next shoes to drop? One of the things that they've been doing, which is interesting, they've been reading some of the texts and identifying the authors, whether it's Fox News hosts or Don Jr. But they've also read texts from members of Congress who have so far gone unidentified. And so we had a vote last night, only two Republicans, by the way, what an indictment of the Republican Party, that only two Republicans voted to hold Mark Meadows in contempt, of course, Cheney and, and Adam Kinzinger. Everybody else voted to allow him to ignore Congress. But some of those votes were cast by congressmen who had to pretty much know that they were also voting kind of to cover up their own their own actions. I mean, what are we going to find out from, <laughs> actions, you know, I guess say something else. Yeah. What do you, what's going to come up? Well, I think there is an issue with members of Congress investigating each other. Yeah. I mean, we've seen this in other investigations. That said, if there is something criminal uncovered, I believe that would get referred to the Justice Department and those charges could be pursued that way. Yeah. By the way, is there any chance on earth, Amanda, that the Justice Department, the Merrick Garland, is not going to follow through on the criminal contempt charges against Mark Meadows? I mean, I can't imagine why. Given given his behavior in leading up to this, given the fact that he <laughs> gave documents, wrote a book, and later said, oh, I have executive privilege. And also, like, executive privilege doesn't apply to your communications with other members of Congress. Yeah. Um, it doesn't apply to your communications with members of the media. And so he's kind of a hot mess on that issue. As long as I think the committee keeps it targeted, they keep emphasizing the legislative purpose that this does have. And that legislative purpose is that they want to find ways to uh, make sure this never happens again, which, you know, I think you and I both yeah. hope leads to electoral reform acts and some things like that. Um, how could he say no? How could yeah. he say no? Well, I, I, I agree with you. You know, I mean, a couple of things that I thought jumped out. Kyle Cheney tweeted out about this, uh, that I don't think this one is fully sunk in. A member of Congress, we don't know who it was, suggested that GOP-controlled states anoint Trump electors before those states were even called. This wasn't overturning an election. This was scrapping democracy before the votes were even counted. And assuming that all of this is accurate, it's a text on November 4th, the day after the election, and somebody yeah. in the House is texting, presumably Mark Meadows, saying, hey, here's an idea. We should really be aggressive here, right? We should, let me see if I can actually find this. Here's an aggressive strategy. Yeah, yeah. I think. <laughs> Why can't the states of Georgia, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, and other R-controlled state houses declare this is BS, where conflicts and election not called that night, and just send their own electors to vote and have it go to the uh, Supreme Court? Okay, so we're talking Why about not? November 4th. Why not, Charlie? <laughs> I mean, we can probably guess who sent that, but I mean, that's- you know, Do you so, have a so, guess? Do you want to guess? I, I mean, that, that, that's the kind of Matt Gates, Jim Jordan type thing that he, he would you know, send out. But I think there's, there has to be some members of Congress who are kind of sweating what else is going to come out. I mean, they have the stuff, they have the receipts, and they are not going to hesitate to, you know- bring them out, ram them down their throats. Yeah, I am surprised with how early those ideas started popping up and what we've learned from the committee, because I kind of thought, you know, there's this period where they thought they were going to game it out. You know, the election wasn't called till the yeah. 7th, and they were already thinking about this on the 4th. So it does show you how how aggressively they started planning this early. I mean, the whole stop the steal effort. I mean, that just, just do you remember how quickly that took off in late well, November, I, I mean, December? I, there's, there's, I mean, there's, bam. 
Well, there's a couple of things. You look back, like you mentioned November 7th. Remember November 7th? I think we did a po- an emergency podcast that night. And that was when all the networks you know, called the election. Yeah. And they all did it at this, basically the same time. And then uh, heads of state from around the world started calling in and congratulating Joe Biden. And there was a feeling that it was quasi-normal on November 7th yeah. for a moment. And I remember thinking, okay, this is this was decisive. Um, you know, the Trump world is going to still make some noises. You're still going to have Rudy Giuliani going to the Four Seasons and everything. But they, it felt like they were going through the motions. Wrong. This thing was just the beginning. Yeah. And it felt the same way after, you know, January 6th, January 7th, when you thought, okay, now people have really seen this. The ability to adjust, the, you know, I mean, we kept thinking that 2021 was going to be the return of normalcy. I don't know whether you thought so, or at least a little bit. And every single yeah. time you yeah. think maybe it's going to be normal, but you're right, that stop the steal thing, you know, went from the craziest person in the Oval Office to now orthodoxy in the Republican Party. Yeah, I mean, I really, I mean, I'm just, this is my recollection. You started hearing about it with Linwood down in Georgia. Yeah. Totally and crazy. then Mitch McConnell and those people saying, well, let's just let this play out. And then I remember mid December, early December to mid-December, around the time of certification, that I started to get worried. Because, not because I thought they were going to do anything, but I could see this becoming a campaign tactic in Georgia. I'm like, this isn't good. But then around Christmas break, when Josh Hawley said that he was going to object, I remember I was right. with my family and I sat at my computer. I said, this is bad. Yeah. This is bad. Like, what is he doing? And so really, I wasn't like at a 10 until yeah. December 27th. Yeah. Maybe I'm taking a guess. But that was just performative. And I thought, oh, that's Josh Hawley being a performative asshole. Um, I remember the first time, and you might remember this, when you read that Paul Gosar, who's a joke, had filed a lawsuit uh, somewhere suggesting that Mike Pence had the ability basically to not count the electoral votes. Yeah. And I thought it yeah, was a the Gomer, joke. There was a lawsuit against Mike Pence. Yeah. Was it Gomert or Gosar? I can't remember. But, but just, it, was, it, it, was, it, it doesn't matter. I think matter. Gosar was on it. But I'm laughing because every time Paul Gosar, he's a dentist, right? Yeah. I, I just think about like how creepy that is. You don't want him in your <laughs> mouth. You just, you definitely no. do not want Paul Gosar anywhere near your mouth <laughs> or anywhere else. Just no. Yeah. With sharp objects, like, no, yeah. There's just something that unnerves r- me about it. Rinse and spit. But, okay, so when you first heard that, my reaction was this was a joke, I, I, that no one would take it seriously, that this was not something to be alarmed about because it was too crazy. And now we are finding out that even though we were alarmed, we were not nearly alarmed enough. And so yep. the, you know, part of what we're describing here is the speed at which something becomes yes. crazy and unthinkable, and then it becomes thinkable. And then it becomes orthodoxy. And then it's too late. This is where I think, and bear with me on this one, where Mitch McConnell and Joe Biden, I think, are alike, because ultimately they think that the normal rules of gravity and life would apply. So Mitch McConnell said, okay, I'm just going to let it play out because, of course, it's going to play out in a certain way. And Donald Trump's going to lose and no harm will be done by doing all this fundamentally wrong, assuming that there would be normal reaction. I think that Joe Biden for a long time thought, I'm going to be a a normal president in a normal environment, and there's nothing normal about any of this. And so that's why a lot of these people are- I'm just kind of laughing. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm laughing because I'm. we're seeing this with Herschel Walker and Mitch McConnell mm-hmm. in Georgia again, right? Perfect example. They didn't want him. They're going to take him yep. out, blah, yep. blah, blah. Trump says he's the guy. He's becoming the guy. And now all the little establishment consultant guides are saying, isn't he great? He's going to be a spokesman for mental health. Did you see that yeah. story? Well, he is because who And isn't better? it hard for him as a black man to speak about mental health? Which, yes, I agree it may be. But- he pointed a gun at his head and other people. Well, who hasn't? Like, I mean, maybe really. you shouldn't be there, in the yeah. Senate. That is a bad call. That is bad judgment. Even if you have problems, that is a bad thing. When you harass and stop women, that's a bad thing. Okay, but the American people decided that if you wanted to deal with corruption, the way to do it is to elect the most corrupt person around as president because he alone can do it. So the... We don't know what the rules are anymore for these people, because you would normally think, I mean, we're all both old enough to remember that, you know, when somebody says something about legitimate rape, that's it. That's the one moment the Republican Party gathers around, you're out, right? Or a congressman from Iowa talks about what's wrong with white supremacy. The Republican Party says, gathers around, you're out of here, all of this, right? You lose it. Does that apply anymore? You got Eric Greitens in Missouri. You got Herschel Walker in uh, in, in, in Georgia, you, you have a series of nut jobs in Ohio. Now, Sean Parnell had to drop out of the race in But uh, isn't in it funny how all these crazy things deal with the harassment and violence and threatening action towards women? It is crazy, but isn't it funny how there's a thread of all this that somehow the brilliant minds in the Republican establishment spin committee are willing to rehab? I, I mean, I can't get past that. I can't get past that. Well, you that. shouldn't this get past This isn't like it. something funny. This isn't a bad business decision. No. This has to deal with violent, sure. violent actions towards women. And yeah, it started with legitimate rape and grab them. You know, we all know that no. story. It's just Well, no, legitimate rape was, was the old time. Yeah, but this is what we're willing to rehab and say, okay, this is a mental health issue. Sorry about the women. These are a man's issues and we're dealing with them. I have coldness right now, but it it will turn into hot fury. Like I am so cold and disgusted that we're doing this again, but we are. We're doing it still. So October seventh, two thousand sixteen, Access Hollywood yeah. videotape yeah. comes out. Donald Trump talks about uh, grabbing women's pussies. Everybody goes, okay, that's disqualifying. Forty eight hours later, no, that's a, I no, mean, but that's a violent we can act. Accept it. I mean, I just like we always the locker room talk, like talking about doing that and women liking it. Like that's a violent action. It's not like, well, oh, yeah. I told a dirty but the joke. Republicans like, are I'm okay not with crude. It. Okay, so we lived through the Me Too era, in which you know careers have. I mean, people have been held accountable, with the one extraordinary exception of Donald Trump, who really stands alone as the person. And I think that's one of the attractions that people have for him that that he's sort of this morality consequence free zone and so all of these deplorables it's very liberating and people who would never be accepted anywhere else knows that if they enter that sort of gravitational uh, pull of amorality around donald trump i mean if this guy talks about grabbing women's pussies and everybody goes yes let's make him president let's make him president again there may be 14 women i don't even know the number actually who've accused him of, of some kind of misconduct. And it just doesn't, I, I think it's that, it's that Teflon quality that 
you know, makes the, you know, the, yeah, the corny worry, Lewandowski Aaron, types. Like, you can tie up a woman in your basement and do bad things to her, and it's fine. You can still go to the Senate. Okay, Isn't so I got to ask great? you this. We don't judge. We don't judge. Okay, since we're doing this, you got to tell me what it's like being on The View. It was fun. <laughs> okay, but because, I, because on the outside, I'm looking like hearing all the mean girl vibes. I mean, were they nice to you? No, 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 no. They- I mean, I got to tell you, The View is unlike any other right. television because there is some entertainment. Like the first day I went there, there was a performance of the Nutcracker. So I'm behind stage, like with a ballerina, like back muscles, like amazing. So they have, you know, I sat and I talked with uh, Rife Fines, who's the actor. He was, oh, everybody knows yeah. he's been in everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. He has a new movie coming out, but it was a, just a totally different experience. So, you know, I'm a movie buff. Um, so I had to do some research on that. But it was it was fun. I will tell you, the table moves fast. Yeah. Do they tell you? I mean, you know that you talk about the entertainment. I mean, it's known for its conflict, right? I mean, they want you to mix it up. How's that any different from anything I've done on CNN? <laughs> I mean, honestly. Really? Okay. So how is it different than CNN? The, the difference is that you're a table with five people. Yeah. Which is a lot of people. And the topics are quick. You know, and so you have an opinion, you go back and forth. I mean, I liked it. It just, it moves very yeah. fast and it's a big table. That's, that's the biggest difference. Oh, and the live audience. Is Whoopi giving you the look? Whoopi is hilarious. You get to sit in on a meeting. Was Joy on Yeah, the it show? was fun. Every, listen, everyone was They're not giving very you the nice, stink eye? Super welcoming. No, Right, right wing Republicans no. sitting in the Meghan McCain chair? <laughs> no, no. No, I had opinions about the topics we're going to pick and I got to push for questions and- Listen, it was cool. It was cool. So I mean, you be it is you, you you do know what the topics are, but I mean, you do understand that when you come back, they'll, they're going to have you back because you were awesome. You did great, so you're going to come back. Oh, well, we'll see. And, and, we'll and you're going to sit there, and there's going to be Whoopi, and there's going to be Joy, and there's going to be the audience, and they're going to go, okay, topic number one: Amanda Carpenter, Roe versus Wade, abortion, go. Charlie, we it's did abortion gonna... as the first topic when I was there. We did it. Well, do they? It was, I said my piece. I said, I'm pro-life. I believe that life starts with a heartbeat and the Texas law isn't that great because it promotes vigilantism. And I'm upset that Gavin Newsom is adopting the same kind of tactics in California. And a lot of people at the table thought, oh, this is a great idea. Newsom should do that. And so I said, this is going to lead to bad outcomes. Um, And then we had Letitia James the next day, who who is the New York attorney general. And she also said, yeah, I like the Newsom stuff. So, like, that's a productive discussion to Good. have. Okay, so this, and, this like, turned out if well. If I'm the only one that has that opinion, that's amazing. Like, great, great. Like, I have so many things to say, right? You know I see, Look, I mean, the Newsom position <laughs> is, and, and I, I want to qualify this, it's an epic troll yeah. of the Supreme Court, where where, where the Supreme it's Court- It's not a troll is, anymore. Okay, I understand, but but all of our politics, because you think that the world is still normal. And what the Supreme Court's basically going, yeah, you can basically ignore a constitutional right if we just privatize it, if we just use vigilantes. What could possibly go wrong? And even members of the court are saying, um, this is a terrible precedent here, that that if, in fact, you say we can violate the rights, but it's not us, we're just letting private citizens do it, what's going to happen when it happens with guns? And so I, this was completely predictable that somebody like Gavin Newsom or some other governor was going to go, okay, so wait, 
we can't violate the Second Amendment, but we can deputize vigilantes who can do it. It's, I must say, I, you know, I little props for the theater there, but that's what it is, theater. But you had the New York Attorney General saying, yeah, she wants to do this in her state. And I just, we didn't get this because, again, the discussions go so fast. You have five people in four minutes, maybe on a topic. Um, but I want to say, you don't think the conservative court is going to draw a line between protecting Second, Second Amendment rights and life issues where there's no constitutional right written out in the Constitution? Like, the court is going to rule differently on different issues. They're not going to say, okay, this tactic is okay for all purposes. I I think they're setting themselves up for tremendous disappointment if they go forward with this. My sense is that they don't think they're going to win, but that if this does embarrass the court or it does highlight the hypocrisy of the court, they're okay with all of that. Have we discussed how the Democrats are bad at messaging? They're just going to make their base mad. This is too complex. Like, it's not going to work. It is interesting, by the way, how much blowback I get anytime you suggest that, hey, you know, Democrats really should be better at messaging because if you're not better at messaging, you might lose elections and all the things you claim to care about will be wiped away. You have one job, which is not to fail and allow Donald Trump 2.0. And 80% of the reaction I get is, why are you picking on them? It's not their fault and everything. Look, you know, we are here to say you don't they control the media. <laughs> you know, the, the, the consequences are terrible. OK, so um, I understand that there's something that you're really profoundly wrong about. Oh, tell me. OK. <laughs> Time magazine names Elon Musk person of the year. Or as I said the other day, Elon fucking Musk person of the year. <laughs> I mean, you had other choices. Yeah. You could have had Officer Goodman from January 6th. You could have had the people who were responsible candidate. for the COVID vaccines. You could have had also Liz worthy. Cheney. You could have had all of these people. But you have this narcissistic billionaire. He's the person of the year. Amanda. Okay. So, yes, I've, I've listened to now two podcasts for you complain that Elon Musk is getting okay. credit. When I first saw this, I read the headline that progressives are upset that Elon Musk is time person of the year. And my first thought was like, what are you mad about? You wanted electric cars. He gave you electric cars. You wanted solar investment. He's giving you solar investment. You want to go to space. He's giving you space. Me, as you know, as the girl without internet at our house in West Virginia, he is going to give us internet through the satellites long before Joe Biden's Build Back Better blah, blah, blah will. All hail Elon. I understand. He's a weird dude. Dude is weird. Yeah. Don't like the pot smoking on Joe Rogan. Don't yeah. like, I, I don't know what's going on with his personal life with his wife. Don't want to know. Yeah, that gives me pause. But he is legitimately changing the world. He is changing the way that we will drive, that we will consume our energy, that we will communicate. and that we will explore space. And that's pretty amazing. And so everybody wants to hate on him because he's rich. Like, God bless him. Since when did we start hating rich people? I don't, well, that's been going on for some time now. Um, but that's not, that's not my, <laughs> I mean, that's jealous, not, yeah, but. <laughs> that, that is not my problem with him. Um, I don't hate on him because he's rich and I do think he deserves credit for the good things he has done. But person of the year, 
And I think that people are going to look back on 2021 and everything that we are going through and the challenges we are facing, and it's going to seem like a really strange choice. And I think that the people at time, who I think are sometimes profoundly unserious, understood that, which is why they had the sort of alternative cover of the heroes of the year, which would be the frontline fighters against COVID-19. In a certain way, you put those side by side and it's like, yeah, I don't know. Elon Musk deserves a different cover story or a really nice glowing profile or something. But I don't know. I think it was a good choice because of what he's done will transform things on such a massive global level. I I do think it's time he did get a little bit of credit and bonus. It is a wonderful immigrant American story. He's from South Africa. He came to America to do this. He is super pro American. Um, And also, you know, I know he gets a lot of government subsidies and blah, 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 but He's done things that the government has been unable to do. They wanted to pursue solar. They wanted, he's doing it. And so I think it's amazing. I understand some of the hate, but like the hate should not not discount his incredible accomplishments. I I said hate, it's it's balance. I, I would suggest balance that all good things do not flow from billionaires. And, no, but they, and, this and, one, and, this and, one and has a few the good whole ones. Package. And the reality is, is that we were going to get electric cars. We were going to get the broadband without him. Yeah, you kind of like the great man theory of, of history, that if it wasn't for Bill Gates or George Soros, XYZ wouldn't happen. Uh, this is a big, powerful country. The marketplace is complicated if there were major you know, market incentives for something, it was going to happen. It does not one guy. And I'm look, I'm not hating on the guy. I, by the way, do think that he does deserve to pay more taxes because I'm sick and tired of billionaires who don't pay more in taxes. And that's this is my, I suppose, uh, this is what uh, uh, Bill Crystal would describe as my inner socialist or something. But but I'm not I'm not hating on him. It's just it's just given the challenges that we face in this moment in history right now, it it seems ludicrous to go with him. I'm I'm no, going with I Officer just, I, Goodman. He he is dreaming bigger and bolder than I think any entrepreneur in our modern era ever has. So I will okay. enthusiastically Cause. support Elon Musk as Time Person of the Year, even though he's a complete weirdo. But that might be what makes him great. Cod's just wallop. Saying. That's just a bunch of cod's wallop. And I, 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 what language are you speaking? The, the more, the more I think about it, the more I think, okay, what size coffee are you drinking? You think that I'm right? No, wait, wait. See, huh? you're going for the big thing. What is it? What is it? What is this? This West it's Virginia coffee. big gulp? It's coffee. I mean, no, that's it's like sheets. What? It's a sheets for kids. Have you heard of sheets? Uh, John Fetterman no. is a big fan. JVL like that. Uh, so like 24 ounces of coffee? You like big? Ba- yeah, okay. and it cute. Oh, it looks like a little Santa. Huh? Why? Well, I, I just, I just, I just have this, this, this little cup here of, of coffee. All right. So yeah, that's why you're not on my level today. I'm no, just kidding. So no, I, I l- listen. You were on the View. You're sitting in the Megan McCain I'm chair. I'm running on fumes I'm- right now. Yeah, it was crazy. I went to New York. I haven't been anywhere in two years. I haven't been in New York since February 2020. I was without my kids in a beautiful hotel room. High um, up. So that was wild. So, uh, so on, sl- on, on Slack, so when up. you wrote that amazing story, you turned around the story that went absolutely viral about uh, the Fox text. And you mentioned that you were able to do this because you were without kids in a hotel. But you also <laughs> said 
that it felt weird that you were high up. Do you have a, is this something? Do you want to know? Yeah, it was the 51st floor. Did you stand at the window and look down? I'm the king of the world. No. I had to shut the window. Oh, really? Okay. I took a couple pictures. I FaceTimed my kids so they could see it. But then I was like, uh, I don't like being this high up. But it was kind of cool. It's, it's, it sounded like you were focused. I mean, I'm, I, I sort of picture yeah. you in, in the hotel and you're getting yourself geared up to do the view. And so your mind is going and you have the, the laptop there and you were able to turn that story around like almost before anybody else in the media was, which is kind of something for the bulwark. It was, it was very impressive. Yeah, no, us. that's how I, when I travel for work, I am yeah. always extremely focused. I uh, went to the Whole Foods, got a bunch of sushi, just went in my room the whole night. <laughs> And tried to like get ready. So it's December fifteenth, and you know what that means for okay. me? Okay. Means um, I, I'm done <gasps> for 2021. This is it. This is it. Now it doesn't mean that the podcast is that we have guest hosts who will be filling in. I hope you will be one of the guest hosts who will fill oh, in okay. on all of this. Uh, I, we may have people filling in for morning shots as well. It'll be an hour of Elon Musk fangirl i they, it could be and you know now that we have video you can have <laughs> you could have pictures you can do all sorts of things with all of that so so it's it's december 15th i actually i wrote in my newsletter you know of course i was planning on actually sitting here yeah. here in, in wisconsin and if life was fair which of course it is not i would have my car all packed in the driveway ready to go to the airport to go to france so but that's not happening but then I had to think, okay, you know, should I take the time off anyway? And you know, when I when I used to do the radio show for 23 years, one of the advantages of actually having you know a job that you have to go someplace is there was that line between I'm at work and I'm not at work. Do you know what I mean? And I, we, we had a great podcast yesterday with Charlie Warzel talks about you know now that we're working from home, we basically we think we're liberated, but actually we're always connected. We are always working, right? Yeah. But for 23 years, I always tried to carve out that end of the year. I was kind of work up to the end of the year and then take those two weeks off. Just needed it. Just to unplug. Because I, I'm going to admit, I kind of have a work-life balance issue that if I'm off, I can be off. Okay, first, Charlie, for the listeners who yeah. don't understand, yeah. Yeah. Charlie does an hour podcast every day mm. and the newsletter and yeah. other things and MSNBC. Yeah. It is a tremendous amount of energy and dedication that you have and you put into your projects. And I am, I, I, I just want to congratulate you on an amazing year. Your time is well-deserved off, but just knowing as someone that does some TV and some writing to do it consistently on a daily basis and always be fresh and interesting and accurate and honest. Yeah. It is an incredible body of work that you have compiled, well, not only you. this year, but for the bulwark entirely, and I I am constantly in awe oh, of how well you do it. I should hire you to you you if you could split your time between <laughs> saying nice things about me and Elon Musk, I can I can go with that. No, but I mean part <laughs> of me is at the end of the year you, you do feel a little bit of I don't want to use the word burnout, but that moment yeah. where you say I do need to refresh because I want to be fresh. And 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 we live in an age where I mean I'm sure you think about this as well. It's like are we going to have the same conversation over and over and over again? Are we going to say the same things? Is Are there fresher ways of doing it? Are there different perspectives? And I think that's one of the things that travel gives you. That's one of the things that time off gives you. But in order to unplug, I need to unplug. I mean, that's the thing. It, it's, I have, that's I have, hard to do. 
you did this. Didn't you go off? I mean, you totally went off the grid. And that was a great thing. I was incredibly jealous of your ability to do that earlier this year. Yeah, it's it's necessary to do. It, it takes a little bit of discipline to kind of like do it and maintain it. But you do come back so much fresher. And um, I, I support you 100%, even though Thank we you. will miss you dearly for those two weeks. I do not know what I will do while I'm folding laundry and cooking and doing all the things around the house that I always have you in the background mm-hmm. as I do those things, which makes it much more enjoyable. Well, there's probably like among our 700 podcasts, you can like go back into the archives. Amanda Carpenter, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Keep your optimism and your hope alive and we will see you in the new year. Thanks for coming back on. Thank you. And thank you all for listening to the Bulwark podcast today and all year. We will have more Bulwark podcasts. Tim Miller will be sitting in for me. I am sure that Amanda will be sitting in for me. But as for me, I will talk to you in 2021. Have a great year.